0: Welcome to Do Hard Things with The Revolution. Do you want to rise above mediocrity and live your life sold out for the glory of God? Do you want to do hard things, make your life count, and use your teen years for Christ? Here at The Revolution, we know that navigating life as a Christian teen can be tough. Our hope with this podcast is to share biblical truth and provide real, honest, and relatable answers to your hardest questions. So with that in mind, let's dive right into the latest episode of do hard things with the revolution. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Do Hard Things with the Revolution. I'm your host, Sarah Barrett, and I am so excited about today's guest. If you read Do Hard Things or possibly start here, then there's a name that you're already familiar with. And we all look up here at the Revolution to Alex and Brett Harris, but there's someone whom Alex and Brett have looked up to for years and have described as one of their modern-day heroes. And truly, for all of us, He can be just that. Randy Elcorn is the founder and director of Eternal Perspectives Ministries, a ministry dedicated to teaching biblical truth and I love this, to meet the needs of the unreached, unfed, unborn, uneducated, unreconciled and unsupported people around the world. Randy is a New York Times best-selling author and he's written over 50 books including Courageous, Heaven if God is Good, and I actually just received a copy of one of his new books, The Promise of the New Earth which is filled with such encouragement. It's just such a beautiful book on our future eternal home. So I'm looking forward to talking about that in just a minute here. But it's truly such an honor to just talk to you today, Randy. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast today.
1: You're very welcome, Sarah. And I appreciate so much uh, what you do and what Brett and Alex do. And it's a pleasure to know those guys. And uh, it's a pleasure to know you. So thank you for taking your time.
0: Oh, well, thank you. That means so much to us all. And as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about today, there were so many directions my mind went because I know you have so, many wiz- so much wisdom on so many different topics. But on the podcast, we really like to answer teens' questions and just get to the heart of what they're really struggling with. And this question that we received not too long ago was one that I think many of us can resonate with, and so I thought you would maybe be the perfect person to help me tackle it. And so this girl, who wished to remain anonymous, wrote, I'm in a season of a lot of pain and grief right now. I'm overwhelmed, and it just feels like a lot to take in. I'm struggling with trusting God when it feels like everything is collapsing around me. Why doesn't he stop it? I want to have faith and to trust, and sometimes it feels easier than others, but in short, I guess I just want my old life back. How can I handle all of the uncertainty, grow in trusting God, and find peace and joy no matter what happens in my life? So this is a pretty hard question, and like I said, I think many could resonate with it. And I've got some questions kind of going off of this, but just off the cuff, what are your first first thoughts just about this girl's question? Is there anything in particular that comes to your mind first?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is uh, you have a huge company of people who have asked and are asking the same questions that mm. you're asking, and a number of them are in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, so you've got... Jeremiah, you've got Habakkuk, you've got David, you've got Job. I mean, there are a lot of people who are asking these questions, uh, and they're, they're questions that if you don't have answers for, and and by answers I don't mean that that therefore we can understand. Everything, Because we can't. That's one of the big things that we have to... We are creatures. Um, God is the creator. Mm-hmm. Um, only God is infinite. We are finite. Um, if we could understand all that God does, it would probably prove that uh, God is an extension of our own thoughts and imaginations. Yeah. He's not. Mm-hmm. He is a being who... Uh, the most important being in the universe, who has his reasons even when we don't know what those reasons are. And he has demonstrated his love for us. So that's one of the things I would say is, look, if you ever are asking yourself the question, which a lot of even believers ask sometimes, uh, like, God, why? I mean, if you're all good and you're all powerful, why? Why don't Mm -hmm. you stop all this evil? You could. Why don't you? But the reminder, I think, uh, and I have a a big book called If God is Good on the Problem of Evil and Suffering. Not that I solved it (laughs) in that book, but I did raise a lot of questions and interviewed a lot of people and got a lot of perspectives and above all went to scripture. Uh, But, you know, we really have to remind ourselves that Jesus is the only answer who is bigger than the question. And and that's, that's what I say to myself is, look, we can come up with all kinds of theodicies, defenses of God and his, you know, why he would allow good and suffering, all these kinds of things. And certainly scripture helps us with that. However, at the end of the day, if you don't grasp how much God loves you, uh, then you, you're really not going to get it. You're going to fear mm-hmm. him. You're going, uh, in the wrong way of fearing. You're going to resent him. Um, and you're going to doubt him and you're never going to trust him. But if you can see those nail scarred hands and mm-hmm. feet. Yes. In our Lord Jesus, when you're asking yourself the question, does God really love me and care about me? Can you just ask? Can you? Uh, Just picture Jesus reaching out those nail scarred hands and asking, do these look like the hands of a God who doesn't love you,
2: Mm. who doesn't
1: care? I do. And I went to the cross for you. And if you believe that, then you can trust me in everything.
0: Mm. That is so beautiful. And it's amazing that it is so true that we truly can cling to that in the midst of the hardship and the suffering. I love that the Bible, like you said, we are in very good company. The Bible shows other people that are asking these questions, but we are invited like, to ask them, but then we are brought to that place where we can see Christ where we can see how good he is regardless of the answers regardless of what's happening regardless of anything he his love is is so constant and we have proof of it there at the cross so that that is such a beautiful truth and that kind of ties right into like my my first question that I had here that when everything around us is filled with conflict when our lives are filled with hardship we need to be rooted and we need to be grounded in something greater than ourselves and our circumstances, and that is obviously Jesus Christ. It's the truth of the word of God and the truth of his character. And I love like what Psalm 16 says that I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. So I think we need to, to really understand what it means to be grounded in that truth and so for you, what has that looked like in your life, what, being grounded in those truths when it gets difficult, when things are hard, how can we practically like set God always before us, as the psalmist said, so that we are not shaken by those things around us?
1: Well, I don't have to go back very far in my life to respond to that great question, Sarah, because... Um, My wife, Nancy, went home to be with Jesus um, about nine months ago,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and she was diagnosed with cancer a little over four years uh, before she went to be with the Lord. And I saw in Nancy's life an incredible work of grace that Mm -hmm. God did, and I saw it every day, and I had a front row seat. And honestly, there are times where it just took my breath away uh, to see what God was doing in her. Now, you have to understand that before she was diagnosed with the cancer, she loved the Lord with all her heart. She served him. She spent time with him daily and all that. But when the cancer came, she resolved to uh, go deeper, Mm -hmm. even uh, Mm -hmm. to not only read God's word every day, Uh, But to journal, and she hadn't journaled much in her life, but she started journaling daily. And she went into reading uh, the Puritans um, Mm. and reading uh, great thinkers and great writers. And especially uh, she read all these books, some of which she had already read, but she reread, um, on the attributes of God. So Mm. A.W. Tozer's The Knowledge of the Holy, um, J.I. Packer's. Knowing God, uh, Jerry Bridges' The Joy of Fearing God, um, John Piper's uh, Desiring God, and other books by Piper. She read a lot of Spurgeon,
2: Mm. uh, not only
1: daily stuff uh, like his morning and evening, uh, but also other things that he wrote and excerpts from his sermons and all that. And then in her journal, she would write out you know, longhand, handwritten, uh, she would write out these quotes that she was reading in these books. And so she'd she'd write out a lot of scripture, and she'd write these other things out. And I, I think she modeled for me and really mentored and discipled me in a profound way as I watched her, because I watched not only that she was doing these things, but I watched how her perspective was amazing. uh, Our ministry happens to be named Eternal Perspective Ministries, uh, and I've never seen firsthand, close up, eternal perspective become so real uh, in the life of uh, someone that I know, and in this case, someone I love more than anyone except Jesus. And uh, honestly, Sarah, to see her love for Jesus and to read the wisdom of her words. Now, at first uh, she, she wasn't offering me her journal, but I asked if she, but she read to me a few times from, I said, would you mind if I read some of the other things that you've written? She says, no, you can't. And so I read them and I was stunned at the things she would say. For instance, um, she was in Psalm 119 one day And there's a verse, I forget which verse it is, because there's a lot of verses in Psalm 119. Uh, Uh But uh, it's where she says, uh, where where scripture says, um, uh, David's talking to the Lord and he's saying, all things are your servants. So she took Mm -hmm. that verse and she wrote down, my cancer is God's servant. And then she went with that and contemplated the sovereignty of God, the fact that he is over all and in all and through all, and he is working together uh, everything for our good, as Romans 8.28 says, uh, and he is accomplishing a sovereign purpose. And uh, instead of thinking as of cancer Uh, And and there is a sense in which you can think of cancer, of course, as an enemy. You you can think of it as something to be overcome and something to fight and battle. Uh, But I also think uh, even simultaneously, as we think in those terms, and we can even think of, well, does disease come from Satan? Well, he doesn't have the power of life and death and uh, sending the disease apart from the permission of God, as we see in the case of Job. Um, but we have to understand that God has these purposes often hidden to us in suffering. And mm-hmm. my cancer is God's servant. I actually, uh, on our, our blog at Eternal Perspective Ministries, um, I asked her permission to take what she had written about that. And it's, you know, Nancy Alcorn, my cancer is God's servant. And of course, we got some pushback on that. Because some people are saying, no, you you got that all wrong. Cancer does not come from God. Cancer comes from Satan. Cancer is our enemy. But the thing that this person lacked in their perspective was what Charles Spurgeon knew when he said, uh, and he, had, he suffered a lot of painful physical afflictions and some emotional afflictions. There was a horrible Mm -hmm. fire in his church in which I think something like seven people died. Uh, And Mm -hmm. he, and and he was, when he was a young pastor and he never fully got over that. It was uh, kind of always on his mind, at least on the back burner. Uh, But he had terrible, painful gout, all kinds of other Diseases. His wife was bedridden and couldn't come to church for literally most of her life, most of their married life. Um, and they knew affliction, but he said, if I did not believe that God was the one who sent me these afflictions, I would be, I forget the word that he used, but, um, in, I think he said, in despair. And this is where a big view of God is critical as an answer uh to this question, because Nancy's view of God, which was already big, became bigger and bigger and bigger. And she was able to say, Lord, I trust you. We prayed together on our, um, I was on my knees every night beside her bedside. And we were praying together and I was holding her hand every single night. We would pray. That God would heal her of the cancer, but we would say those words that are in scripture, and Jesus himself said them. uh, Not my will, but yours be done. But God, you've asked us to honestly pray to you and ask for what we want. What we want is for you to take this cancer away and heal Nancy. But we were able, she was able to accept from the hand of God. I remember about. four weeks before she died and she said, Randy, if God doesn't take away this cancer soon, uh, I'm going to go to be with him. And I have to say, if that's what he chooses, I can't wait. I can't wait to be with him. Mm -hmm. So we changed our prayer at that point uh, and we made it into, Lord, if you're not going to heal Nancy, would you take her soon? Because she was in a lot of pain. Uh, And Uh, For me to see that, uh, all of us who have had loved ones close to us die and watch my mom die, my dad die, my best friend die, uh, was with them all as they were dying. Um, But to be with Nancy and to hear her having such difficulty breathing and felt like the end was near and sure enough, she stopped breathing. I kissed her on the forehead, and said, see you soon. Uh, because even if it's 20 years, it will be soon uh, yes. in the larger scope of things. And yes. thank you for being so faithful. And thank you, Lord, for being so faithful to my wife. It,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Neither of us became bitter or resentful at any moment. And I'm not saying that as praise for us. I'm just saying... Uh, Take the time that you have now and do what Nancy did in terms of investing it in knowing God so that you'll trust God. Another book by Jerry Bridges, Mm -hmm. Trusting God. Um, Great book. And prepare because one day you will die. One day you will face great sickness. Uh, of someone you love or yourself, you will uh, you will encounter it. So be ready for it. First Peter says, "Brothers, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal mm-hmm. you are suffering, as if something strange were happening to you. That we should expect it. We should not be surprised by suffering."
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that, Randy. And truly, Nancy is such an inspiration to us all. I remember reading the um, blog posts that you put up on Eternal Perspectives Ministries, and they brought me to tears, but at the same time, just pointed me so much to Christ. It was so beautiful to see that faith and just the anticipation that heaven is real and the hope of seeing Jesus face-to-face is is real. And that can truly make all the difference in how we face our suffering and how I see that Nancy and you have faced uh, suffering. And that is, it's not an easy thing to to come to that place where you have that perspective. But as, as you said that you could see in Nancy that there is, there is a peace and a joy that comes even in suffering when you can steadfastly keep looking to Jesus in the midst of it and know that Mm. the hope of heaven is always in front of us for those who are in Christ, that that is a constant and, Uh, unchanging hope because it's it's real and it's true and so that is that is so beautiful and just such a a beautiful encouragement for us all and I wanted to talk to you about that hope of heaven because I mean your book heaven I would say one of the most well-known ones that I have seen from you the most and we need that hope because this world is not our home And it is a broken world, but we know that heaven is not broken. Heaven is beautiful. Heaven is perfect. And that is the reality for those who are saved. So, how can that hope of heaven help us to navigate these trials? How can we just practically grasp hold of that and live in light of it every day? I think one of the one of the big thing that, things that's sometimes holding us back from this is that we don't really know what heaven is. We have this right. very diluted understanding of it. So how can we understand heaven in a better way? And then how can that hope help us through the very real things that we're going through on earth?
1: Yeah. Great question, Sarah. Thank you for that. Um, You know, I think one of the most basic things we need to understand is that there are two aspects to heaven. There is the present heaven, which is where people who have uh, trust in Jesus, who have believed in him, uh, go when they die. And that's where Nancy is now where my mom and dad and my friends who have died uh, who knew Jesus uh, that's where they are that's the present heaven the present heaven is pre-resurrection the resurrection has not happened yet it doesn't happen one at a time when we mm-hmm. die I'm, I'm kind of surprised um, at, at people who envision okay so our loved one has died and now they're resurrected with jesus no they're not resurrected they are with jesus mm-hmm. and and it's a wonderful thing uh to die and be with christ is greater by far philippians says for me to live is christ to die is gain nancy is far better off in the present heaven and the presence of jesus um, than she was Well, she was here on earth she's still fully human and yet She's awaiting the resurrection. And you read 1 Corinthians 15 and you go, well, part of being fully ultimately human is having a body, a resurrected body. And that's what the future heaven will Mm. be after the resurrection. So we have present heaven and people will often say, okay, what is my loved one experiencing right now in heaven? And that's a very good and legitimate question, and there are some some good answers to that. However, we actually know more about the future heaven, life after the resurrection, because uh, for a number of reasons. One is because there's a number of Old Testament passages, including Isaiah 60, Isaiah 65, Isaiah 11, Ezekiel 48, Uh, numbers of passages, which talk about the new earth. And we know that they're talking about the new earth, sometimes because they say it, like in Isaiah 65, but also other times because they're quoted. These passages are quoted and applied to the new earth in Revelation chapters 21 Mm -hmm. and 22. They're all about the new earth. And so I think... um, Uh, once we begin to grasp that we will live as fully embodied people for all eternity. And Jesus said seven or eight times, you'll eat and drink with me in the kingdom. And I think it's very clear. He's not just talking about the thousand year reign, uh, a millennial kingdom for those who believe in that literal thousand years. And of course, there are many Orthodox Christians who are not, Premillennial, they're all millennial. I'm premillennial, but in the end, it doesn't matter in terms of we both should believe, people of both persuasions should believe in the new earth. And that's the ultimate place where Christ will dwell with his people forever. And it says his servants will serve him. Uh, in Revelation 21. He will wipe away the tears from every eye. There'll be no more crying, no more suffering, no more pain. And that all assures there will be no more sin. Mm. So you don't have to worry. Well, yeah, but someday, I mean, Adam and Eve were perfect, right? And then they sinned. Satan was perfect, Lucifer. And then he sinned. And so we can be perfect in heaven, but will will we sin someday? And the answer is absolutely not, because we'll be fully clothed in the righteousness of Christ. In a sense, we experience that right now, um, but that's the kind of the present tense of salvation, sanctification that's going on. But there's glorification that's coming, and once we are glorified, we will no longer sin. We'll no longer want to sin. As Paul Helms says, we'll no longer want to want to mm-hmm. sin. And so all will be right and, and for all eternity. Now, when you believe that, then you see everything that's wrong with the world. And everywhere yes. you look, you see things oh. that are wrong and sad and tragic And then when you realize the promise of God for his people is, we really will live happily ever after. This is not a fairy tale, but we really will live happily ever after. This is a blood-bought promise of Jesus. And therefore, it is more than just a hope. Now, I say that because many... Uh, believers talk about the hope of heaven uh, in in one sense that's different than the biblical mm-hmm. sense of the hope of heaven. Because hope to us is what? It, it's often wishful thinking. It's what what I, I wish would happen. And, and it's almost like, well, I hope one day uh, to be president of the United States. Well, I'm not sure who in their right mind would hope <laughs> that. Uh, but, you know, some people... <laughs> no doubt do. I uh, I hope to be a professional football player. I hope to uh, do this and graduate with top honors and do all that. Well, there's only a certain number of people that that's going to be true of, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so you hope for it, but uh, the chances of it happening uh, are, are maybe not that great. Well, biblical hope is completely yeah. different. Biblical hope is assurance Again, it's that blood-bought promise of Jesus. When he gives you the hope of heaven, it's not a wishful thinking. You know? It's a guaranteed, written in stone, engraved in the rock. It, and he is that rock. And you can count on it. But when that becomes a reality in your thinking, then you're not going to have to have bucket lists because you don't have to cram into this life uh, any uh, sporting event or climbing a mountain or visiting uh, Lake Louise or Lake Victoria or Niagara Falls or whatever. You know, wherever you want to go in the world, the Amazon rainforest or whatever. Okay, that doesn't have to be on your bucket list. Because he promises new bodies and new earth. Yes. Our new bodies are our old bodies that will be made new. New earth is the old earth that will be, yes, destroyed, like our bodies are destroyed in death, you know, and, and the, the molecules and the DNA is spread out there, but God will raise us. And likewise, the earth once destroyed in 1 Peter 3 where it talks about it, will then be reassembled and it's called the new earth, new heavens and new earth. If we see that for what it is, then we realize, you know what? You don't have to mourn because you've never been able to go the places and do the things that you wanted to do. Johnny Erickson Tata, who's a dear friend of Nancy's and mine, um, has said a number of times, you know, if I believed that, My physical capacities were forever taken away from me. I would not have the joy that I have in Jesus because I know in the resurrection, body and mind will be not just as good as they once were at their peak in this life, but far better. What is ahead of us is so much greater than what's behind us in every sense. Now, when you grasp that, you live with a transcendent joy. And, and I have to say, I am a kind of a naturally melancholic person prone to depression. Uh, occasionally, I still experience some depression. But I can say that my life, for the most part, is characterized by profound joy. And even since Nancy went home to be with Jesus, uh, March 28th, 2022, and now here we are nine months later, uh, as we're recording this, uh Joy has been, Scripture says, we are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, Paul says in Second Corinthians. And I love that it says we are sorrowful, but always rejoicing. And every day that goes by, I am grateful, I am thankful, and I am rejoicing for the work of God's grace in my life, my family's life. Miss Nancy tremendously grieving. I'm not in any sense denying grief mm-hmm. I'm experiencing grief, but simultaneously I have a joy in Christ that's transcendent and that's all to his credit and to his glory.
0: Mm. Wow. What an exciting, exciting thought that that new heavens and that new earth, like you just said, is a reality. I think especially for teenagers, I think we we don't understand that we want to, like you said, It'll do everything on this earth that we feel like we're going to be missing out. If you know, I often hear teenagers say, Well, I can, you know, think about all of that later, but right now I want to get married before I go to heaven. I want to go to college. I want to have a career. I want to see this place. I want to do that. I want to do this other thing. Almost as if that new heaven, that new earth, that's all going to be just boring and dull and. Right now is where everything is all the exciting stuff happens. But that is yes. such a diluted yeah. perspective. It's not yes. it's not true. And I've been learning actually over the past year, I would say, a lot more of the reality of that new heaven, new earth that is ahead of us. And what exciting truth that is and what hope it can really give us. I love that so much. Hey friends, we'll dive back into our conversation here in a moment, but first listen up because I'm so excited to tell you about our sponsor for the day. If you've been listening to the podcast, you've probably heard me talking about this author conservatory thing. So what is the author conservatory? The author conservatory is an affordable three-year program that launches Christian students into sustainable writing careers. It's for high school or college age students or grads, or really for anyone who feels called to write, speak and teach. But you feel like you need training and guidance to pursue that calling faithfully and fruitfully. So it covers both the writing side and the business and publishing side. So you can learn the writing and business skills you need to get published and support yourself financially. It's led by our very own Brett Harris, as well as a team of incredible authors and writing and publishing experts. So if you want to learn the skills that you need to become a published author, head over to the authorconservatory.com for more info and to request a free consultation. Again, that's authorconservatory.com. I love how you said that we can have that profound joy because of it. That it's not a joy in our circumstances. I think we often equate joy with happiness, but there is, there, there can be a difference. Happiness is so often connected to our immediate circumstances, but that joy, that joy, is just like a deeper well uh, in that truth that can just, if we truly have it rooted in the right place, it will never run dry because. Christ's love never runs dry. That truth, that hope, that never runs dry. And um, I love that you brought that out. So thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. And one last uh, question for you before I let you go. I would just love to hear from your experience with walking with Jesus, from your study of the word and all that God has taught you how he's sanctified you and drawn you closer to him if there is one thing that you could encourage every teen that's listening just one piece of advice one thing that you you learned that has really stood out to you or just whatever comes to mind first if you could tell every teenager this what what would it what would that be
1: well even in the context of what we've been talking about i would say Learn to expect suffering. Do not be surprised by it. As Peter says in 1 Peter 3, um, it's going to come. You live in a world that is under the curse. Mm -hmm. Um, We are all sinners. We live in a world of sin. Uh, There's a lot of darkness and there's a lot of evil in the world. But that's not the end of the story. Um, God is infinitely bigger, not only than us, but than Satan. Uh, don't ever fall into the trap of thinking of uh, God and Satan as equal opposites, sort of like a, a Star Wars, you know, the good side and the bad side of the force, you know, and all of that. Um, no, it, it is not that. That is dualism. Yes. Uh, God is utterly and completely sovereign and in charge and ultimately his will will be done on earth, literally forever on earth as it is in heaven. Now that day has not come yet, but that's where we live by faith in the meantime. And so we should always, um, one of the things I say in a few of my books is that um We live in the dot, and I would say this to all teenagers, to everybody, yes, but in a special way to teens is um, realize that your life on Earth and this present Earth that's under the curse is a dot. It begins, Mm -hmm. it ends, it's brief. I mean, even if you live to be a 100, it's very brief because that's just uh, a minuscule, (laughs) uh, tiny amount of time in terms of eternity but we live in the dot but from that dot extends a line that goes out forever we will live forever everyone will exist forever some will exist in eternal punishment tragically uh but others those of us who know jesus we will exist forever but we will have what the Bible calls eternal life, which is not just the, the the duration of time, but quality of life forever. So we live in the dot, but if we're smart, we will live for the line, and we will live now in light of eternity. We will store up for ourselves treasures not on earth but treasures and heaven that will await us when we die. Uh, I know Nancy heard those words from the Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's happiness. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, and and here's the beautiful thing. When we die, when we meet the Lord, we don't have to bring our happiness with us. We're going to enter into his eternal happiness and contentment in his being and his joy and love for all uh, that uh, he himself is for we as his creatures, his creation, his redeemed ones. So think in terms of eternity and feed your mind. On the right things, the things, not the shallow, superficial uh, things of this present world. But take the time that you have now and every day. Do what Nancy did. And what I seek to do and what God's people seek to do, which is go to his word every Mm -hmm. day. Just ground yourself in the word of God. So that the problem of evil and suffering doesn't cause you to turn your back on God. Instead, it, it causes you in, in wonder and trust to turn to him and follow him and trust him every day of your life. And I would end by saying, you will never regret a single Amen. day of trusting Jesus. You will never regret Following him and being obedient to him and trusting him in a world that's full of doubts and accusations about God and about Christians and about the church. And of course, the church is very imperfect. And we know that because we're part of that imperfection. Uh, But to trust him, uh, you'll never regret that. So don't don't live your life in such a way. That if you have a terminal illness 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, or whenever it is, where you go, I have wasted my life. Uh, And yeah, I want to turn it around now. But you know what? Wouldn't it have been great to have turned it around earlier? And that's what I'd Mm,
0: say. Amen and amen. I don't really think you could give a wiser and more important piece of advice than that. And it's it's more than advice. It's it's the truth of the gospel, and that is what we all need. And so to everyone that is listening, if you're hearing this and you're thinking, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm doing that. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if heaven is actually my reality after I die. Um, please, Don't ignore that. Um, Reach out to someone. You can reach out to us at The Reb. You can please reach out to a pastor that you know or a Christian family member or friend. And understand, learn learn what the gospel says and seek to submit your life to Christ, to repent and believe in Jesus Um, because you will never regret that. You will never regret living your life for Christ surrendering it all to him and receiving his glorious salvation so please do not do not put leave that up to chance but seek seek guidance seek to understand what the gospel really is and seek to live your life fully for for Jesus Christ because that is something you will never regret so thank you Randy for for bringing it all around to that because that is really the heartbeat and the core of everything is is the gospel. It's truly understanding that great salvation that we have through Christ. Um, So thank you for that. And thank you so much for just all of the biblical truth that you've shared with us uh, today. This has been so very encouraging to me. And I'm so thankful for your heart for God and for all of the um, incredible truth and encouragement. Um, if any, if anyone wants to get in touch with uh, you or find out more about your books, is there a way that they could do that? Or like one particular book that you'd recommend everyone go out and get right away?
1: <laughs> well, uh, you can go to our website, EPM.org, it stands for Eternal Perspective Ministries, or... If you forget that and you do remember my name just put randy alcorn in uh the search engine and it'll take you to that website um also on facebook and twitter and instagram and other things but um but that that would be the best way to do it and our website really does have an incredible uh array sometimes i i look at what we've got I, i search for something that, and, and I find it sometimes I'm going to Google or something else and I'm searching for something on a certain topic. And then I see these things that come up and they're from our website. Uh, and so I also go, oh, I kind of forgot about that one. And, uh, and, and sometimes that's helpful. And of course, I get a lot from other people, uh, not just from us, but uh, I, I would invite you to go there. And uh, there's a lot of Of questions and answers and a lot of eternal perspectives types of things and the uh, 60-some books that I've written uh, are uh, there on our website and you can find out about them you can find the books I've written on Amazon or any other place as well so
0: All right. Well, we will put all of those links in the show notes. So I hope everyone goes and checks those out. I have done a lot of digging on that website as well. And there is a lot of uh, excellent content, a lot of encouragement. So I hope everyone goes and checks that out. And again, thank you, Randy. This has been such a encouragement to me. And I'm so thankful for all of your ministry and all of your, just your heart for Christ and how he has uh, worked in and through you to be such an encouragement to the church and the body of Christ. So thank you for joining me today.
1: Uh, it was a pleasure, Sarah. It was great to be with you. Believe in what you're doing with the revolution and Alex and Brett, I'm both um, dear friends um, and um, love them, love their wives and just uh, thank God for them and uh, the original book that launched this and uh, everything that's come out of the ministry since then that you've been a huge part of. So thank you for what you have done and are doing, Sarah.
0: Oh, well, thank you. That means so much. Hey, friends, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Do Hard Things with the Revolution. I hope you're enjoying this season as we dig into tough cultural questions and provide biblical answers. If you want to go deeper into navigating society biblically and how to impact culture with the gospel, pick up a copy of my new book, Stand Up, Stand Strong, a call to bold faith in a confused culture. Stand Up, Stand Strong dives deep into all the topics that we're covering on the podcast on a greater level and is your field guide to live with clarity even in a culture of confusion. Head over to therevolution.com backslash strong for more info and pick up a copy from any online retailer. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe to never miss any of our content and let us know by leaving us a review. Reviews truly make all the difference in helping us get the word out about this podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time.
2: Hey, this is Brett Harris, author of Do Hard Things and founder of The Revolution. Are you a Christian student who loves writing but think it could never go anywhere because you've been told young people can't get published and writers don't make any money? Well, you've been told wrong. I published my first book as a teenager and have sold around 700,000 copies of my books over the course of my writing career. Over the last decade, I've served as a mentor and coach to many of the world's top young writers and authors, including people you might know like Sarah Barrett and Jaquel Crow. If writing is your passion, I'd love to work with you as well through The Author Conservatory, a three-year college alternative for both fiction and nonfiction writers. Just visit www.authorconservatory.com to learn more and apply for a free consultation. That's www.authorconservatory.com authorconservatory.com.